Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Amen. Psalm 30 verse 5 is the text that I want to speak to you from today, specifically the last half of this verse. Psalm 30, verse 5, while you're turning there, I'm very excited about T.F. and Thetis Tenney being with us two weeks from today. Today It's Memorial Day weekend, which usually does not negatively affect our attendance. At least most of the time it doesn't. And so we are very blessed to have them with us two weeks from today. And Sister Tenney will be speaking in the adult class, and Brother Tenney will be ministering in the main worship service you are in for a very very special treat and then of course our annual church picnic we'll tell you more about that next sunday amen psalm 30 verse 5 says for his anger endureth but for a moment in his favor is life and one translation said his favor lasts a lifetime His anger is just for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. And then I'd like for us to focus on this last half of this verse. Would you read it with me? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let's say it again. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Now, I've got to tell you that uh, this is not going to be a sad sermon today. Not going to be a sad message. It's going to be a, I hope, a, something that will encourage you. I don't preach too many sad messages anyway, do I? Not too many. But I, I must say that over the last two to three weeks, the phrase that I'm going to use for a title today has continually come to my spirit in prayer and just driving and thinking and meditating. So I've got to believe that this message, if it's just for one person, then I'm willing to do the will of God. I hope it's for more than just one, but here is the title of this message today. It wasn't that bad. No, no, that's the title. It wasn't that bad. And if I could somehow know the mind of God today, I think what the goal of this message is today is to put in some godly context either where you are today or where you were yesterday in your past or maybe where you'll be tomorrow. But to put in some kind of a godly context the trial of your faith and tribulation in your life that when you look back at it through the eyes of grace and maybe there's someone who's in the throes of a battle today just like Cassie was a week ago today and yet by the grace of God I can guarantee you that someday maybe not today but someday Cassie's going to look back at this trial. She's going to look back at the doctors telling her to make her funeral arrangements. She didn't tell you that, but they told her that. Make your funeral arrangements. 
But someday when she looks back at it, I think by the grace of God, she's going to be able to say, you know what, as bad as it was, it wasn't that bad because God was with me and God helped me and God strengthened me and he brought me through it and he delivered my soul. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So that's what you're in for for the next 30 minutes. You may be seated. Every child of God goes through things. The most important thing is when you're going through it, go through. Brother Tenney, who's going to be here in two weeks, he said, if you're going through hell, what's five more yards? If you're going through it, keep going. Don't stop. The scripture uses the phrase, and it came to pass 453 times. And I'm so glad that as we pass through life, and as we pass through fire, and we pass through water, and we pass through flood, and we pass through tribulation, and we pass through trouble that we do pass through. And it comes to pass. It comes to pass. When you are a child of God, difficulty and trouble and heartache tend to take on a little different meaning than it did before you began to walk with God. I want to say that again. When you are a child of God and you put your hand in His hand, that does not exempt you from trouble. It does not pave a uh, rose-petaled path for you. Serving God does not mean that you'll never have a heartache, you'll never have a problem, you never have a situation that causes you distress. That's coming in the by and by. That's coming when we set foot on the streets of gold. That's when you'll never have a trouble. That's when you never have a pain. That's when you never have a problem. That's when you'll never have tribulation. That's coming. It's inevitable. It's the destiny of the people of God. But when you're a child of God and you walk for the Lord in this life, it does not mean that there will not be Affliction. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul said, For our light affliction, which is but how long? It's just a moment. In fact, he called it light affliction. I wish I had time to talk to you about what Paul's affliction was. If, if you want to know, just read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 if you want to get a good case of depression and all the stuff that the Apostle Paul went through for the gospel's sake. He said, it's light affliction. It's just for a moment. And it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, my brother, my sister, troubles don't stay forever. Trials don't last. Heartache eventually will go away. Tribulation is only for a season. Am I talking to somebody here today? You need to hear this word from God. Our light affliction is but for a moment. Weeping may endure for a night, but just as sure as there is a night, there's a sun that is rising to greet you tomorrow morning. Amen. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let's thank the Lord for the morning that is dawning on somebody's trial and test today. I remember when my wife was expecting our oldest child, Justin. 
and we dutifully went to the dreaded Lamaze classes, which kind of prop you up and give you a sense that we're really going to come through this pregnancy and delivery. No problem. These Lamaze classes are really going to help us out. They're going to be there for us. We're not going to really have any problems or anything to deal with. Now, I don't know what your experience is. Marissa was an emergency C-section. The others were not. But I'm going to tell you that when push came to shove, pun intended, when we got to the critical moment, forget Lamaze. But we were in our delusion going to Lamaze classes, and our instructor told us, told my wife about the pain and the suffering that she was going to go through. And then the instructor said, but now don't forget, when you're going through it, there's going to be a reward when it's all over. And there is a reward for a mother when she brings a child into the world. It's worth the pain, the suffering, the indigestion, the sleepless nights, the problems of the last trimester, the problems of the first trimester, and the one in between, all the sickness, the nausea, all the care, all that heartburn that's bringing all that beautiful hair out on its head, amen. The mother today, you mothers know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what I'm talking about. And turn to somebody and say, and you are your mother's reward. Oh, that's a scary thought. Mothers go through it. In fact, Wednesday night, I should have got Caleb's permission. I didn't get his permission. I'll get forgiveness later. But Wednesday night, we were, my two youngest and I, Caleb and Michaela and I, were having our traditional nightcap. And the nightcap for us is bluebell ice cream. I'm operating in the gifts right now. And so we were having our ice cream, and I think the kids were making stuff for their mother at school. And so this is probably why he was thinking about it. But just it kind of came out of the clear blue. He said, Dad, moms have a lot of pain when babies are born, don't they? And I said, yes, they do, son. He said, ooh, I'm glad I'm not a mom. But I think any mother who's been through the rigors of childbirth and who goes what some call to hell and back to bring life into the world, when that new little life is nestled in her arms for the first time, she quickly forgets about the struggle. She forgets about the process and the pain and the discomfort as she's counting the little fingers and the toes to make sure they're all there. And she smiles and she says to your, herself 10 minutes after she gave birth, you know, it really wasn't that bad. It really, it was worth the reward. It's the reward that makes her forget what she had to go through to bring that bundle of life into the world. And I'm sure that all of us are a witness here today that life does bring trouble. In fact, the scripture says that it only takes about three days to after you're born until your soul is full of sorrow. That's all it takes, about three days. But it is not the will of God, nor is it God's purpose or pattern, that if you are a child of His, for your life to chronically and continually, 24 hours a day, 
be in pain. That is not normal. It is not normal for you to be in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm talking about physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain. I'm talking about spiritual pain. I'm talking about pain of situations that you've been through. We know that it happens. We know that there's weeping through the night. But I want to tell you, friend, it's not normal. And I'm here to tell somebody here today, you don't have to put up with it. You don't have to learn how to cope with it. You don't have to learn how to get along with it. You don't have to sleep with it. You don't have to eat with it. You don't have to spend the rest of your life in pain because Jesus Christ our Savior went to a cross and he endured pain and sorrow and suffering and the power that he shared with us on the cross uh, through the stripes of his back and through the crown of thorns on his head is available to the child of God oh I'm here to tell you friend you can leave this house pain free by the grace of God and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ oh hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, what you see, some people here are excited about that. You don't have to thank God because you have it. You don't have to just thank God because you're on the other side of it. You can start thanking God when you're going through it. And when you're having pain now, you can thank God by faith and say, God, I take hold of that word and I shall be healed for the sun is rising on my life. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The kingdom of God is not pain and hurt and tribulation, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. The Bible does tell us that there are seasons of life and there are ups and downs and mountains and valleys. And Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that for everything there's an appointed time. And there's a time for every event under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3, 2, a time to give birth time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, to mourn, to dance, to throw stones, to gather stones, to embrace, to shun embracing, to, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep, a time to throw away, to tear apart, to sew back together, to be silent, to speak, to love, to hate, for war, for peace. There's a time for everything. But I want to tell you today, all pain is not bad. If my appendix is about to burst, is it on the right side? Oh, no, I still got it. I still got it. But if it's about to burst, I'd like to know about it. If my finger has been slammed in the car door, which by the grace of God I've never had happen to me, but I've done it to three other people. Oh, it gives me the chills thinking about it. I would like to know if the iron is hot before I touch it. I want to know if something bad is going on so that I can get something done about it. And sometimes pain in the life of a child of God is an opportunity for a new experience. It's an opportunity to transition. It's an opportunity to step into a new place, if you will. In honor of Mother's Day, pain is an opportunity to birth something. 
pain in your life may be God saying, Hello. Hello. How long are you going to beat your head against the wall? It's like the Lord spoke to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In other words, he's saying, you're, 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 you're walking a road that's uphill all the way. And, and, and I'm beating you silly. And you're not going to fight against me. You're not going to win against me, Saul. And sometimes pain in our life is designed by God to bring us to the courage to change. Pain may be a strong message to you that whatever you are doing is not working. And when the pain in your life is to stay the same that, that you are, when that pain is greater than the pain to change, friend, that's your opportunity to change. That's your opportunity to step in a new direction. When the horse you're now riding is dead, Dismount. God uses pain in a believer's life to bring that life, to bring to life that which did not exist before. Hear the word of the Lord. Abraham endured the pain of separation and isolation to bring forth a nation. Jacob endured the pain of reaping the deception he had sowed to bring him to a place of honesty and favor with God. Joseph endured the pain, the bitter pain of betrayal and rejection to birth his destiny and to save his family and a nation. And our Lord suffered the pain and shame of the cross to birth a spiritual kingdom called the church of the living God and aren't you glad he did aren't you glad he did the Bible says who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross how could he have joy thinking about the cross knowing the pain he was going to go through I'll tell you why because he saw it as a doorway he saw it as an opportunity he saw the power of the cross and what was going to happen on the other side of the cross is anybody here thankful that Jesus had joy when he thought about the cross and what it was going to produce in our lives Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So there's nothing ethically or morally or spiritually wrong with experiencing cloudy days and long, dark nights. Bad things happen to good people. Weeping may endure for a night, but it is inevitable to the child of God that joy comes in the morning. This is why James wrote in James chapter 1, verse 1, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials there's a new thought for you when your month is longer than your paycheck and you're the one that pays the bills and your husband or your wife knows that the month is longer than the paycheck and they come in the house and you've got a big smile on your face count it all joy count it all joy why because something good's going to happen. God's going to come through. It's your chance to trust him. You say, I gave my tithe. I financially partnership with God. Where is God, friend? Don't give up on God. Weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. God is going to come through, and he's given you a chance to trust him. 
How would you ever know that he would come through unless you got down to the end of it, unless you got to the end of your rope? How would you ever know? Why, why do we count it all joy? Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Listen to what the message paraphrase says of this. Consider your trial as a sheer gift. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. You see, the Bible says there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute. That's not the end of the verse. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. You say, well, pastor, I'm going through a den of lions right now. Well, look down. You see Daniel's footprints there. He's been there and done that. Got the T-shirt. Amen. He survived it. Not only did he survive, not only did God bring him out, but God allowed that trial to bring a revival to a pagan nation where Daniel's God, Jehovah, was worshipped by a pagan king. He said, your God is the God of gods. Your Lord is the Lord of kings. He is the revealer of secrets. Oh, friend, you never know what the pain of a lion's den is going to produce in your life. It could be the key to a revival when someone's watching how you go through it. Daniel, are you still in there? That's what the king did. He couldn't sleep all night. He couldn't sleep all night. Oh, Daniel, are you still in there? He heard a voice. Oh, king, live forever. Oh, hallelujah. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. You say, well, pastor, I'm going through a fiery furnace. Look down in the dust and the ashes. You'll see three pairs of sandals. And a fourth, and the fourth one is like unto the Son of God. Does anybody know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Hallelujah. I'm preaching to a people who serve the God that delivered them. And they had revival when they were willing to endure weeping for a night. They committed themselves to the plan of God. How would you ever know that God could provide if you never had a need? How would you ever know that God could heal if you never had a sickness? How would you ever know that God can save if you never felt lost in your life? And I propose to you that it's through the trials of life and the test of life that God reveals his person and his nature and his power. Abraham never knew God as a provider till he was walking up the mountain with an ache in his heart. But he said, the lad and I are going to go yonder to worship and I don't know what God's up to, but I'm willing to offer my son. And when he got up there and he was ready to plunge the knife into the heart of the promise of God, Suddenly, the angel of the Lord stops his hand, and he says, I've got a sacrifice. And he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, my provider. 
the disciples had walked with Jesus and he was personally mentoring them but they didn't even have a clue hardly as to how powerful and mighty he was until the day they were on the boat and the storm and the and it was a spiritual storm it was, it was a storm that I believe the devil stirred up on the Sea of Galilee to try to destroy Jesus and the disciples and Jesus wakes out of his slumber and they said Lord don't you care that we perish he said oh ye of little faith and then he said peace be still and immediately there was a great calm the waves went down the waves didn't die down though it just flatlined and the wind stopped and the disciples said who is it that's what they said what manner of man is this who is it Oh, they knew who it was. But this is something about God they had never seen before. And I'm speaking prophetically into somebody's life here today. You have no idea where God wants to take you. You don't even have a clue right now the ministry that God wants to give you. But he can't give it to you yet until he finds out if he can trust you, if he can have confidence in you. You can't get the ministry until you get some storm and some wind and some wave and some water lapping over in your boat until finally you can step back with the disciples and say, oh, I never saw this about my God before. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So let patience have its perfect work. Emotional and physical and spiritual pain causes people to respond in various ways. Revenge, anger, aggression, becoming reclusive, have you ever been so hurt because of so much conflict that you just decided you were just going to go hunker down in a cave somewhere? Well, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm just checking out. If that's where this relationship was going, forget about that. I'm just going to go eat worms. Just leave me to my mess. That's how David felt. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. So David departed and escaped. I can't forget to come back to that. He escaped to the cave of Adullam. Saul the king was insanely jealous. The women of Israel added to David's pain when they got inspired to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, he's the man. He's killed 10,000. Saul is really something, but David's a bad dude. He is an amazing man. And so Saul became jealous and began to hunt David like a wild animal. You know, one of my favorite uh, cartoon uh, series is The Far Side. And if you like The Far Side by Gary Larson, you've got to be about a bubble off normal. And I just love his sense of humor. In fact, to this day, whenever I drive by a, a herd of cows, Brother and Sister Ruff, they got livestock. I wonder if when I go by it, the cows start drinking coffee again. And one of my favorite cartoons has got two deer, and they're talking to each other, and they're looking at another deer on the other side of the field, and that deer's got a bullseye on the side of his rib cage. And they said, oh, Frank's got a bummer of a birthmark, doesn't he? Well, David, David had a target. He had a bullseye all over him because Saul was hunting him. He was tracking him down. 
And David is at the lowest season of his life, and he's hiding out in a cave just like you and I do sometimes. Now, I want to say something about caves. Caves may not be all that bad. Maybe God is hiding you. Say, Pastor, I'm shut down. I can't feel God. I'm isolated. Nobody's calling me. My friends have seemed to leave me alone. Listen, friend, sometimes loneliness is the path that God chooses for his servants to walk so that it can develop a listening ear and a relationship with God. Maybe you're in isolation, not of your own accord, but maybe God has you there to hide you. You see, Saul sent out 3,000 of his most trusted warriors to track down David and find him. They were professional scouts. If David was out there, they would find him. But they could not find him because God put his hand of covering over David and protected him. They couldn't find him. And here's how I know that David was divinely hid. Because in that same time when those men were looking for him, 400 men found David. But not 400 that came for his life, but 400 who were seeking counsel and refuge from Israel's greatest warrior. When 3,000 who were antagonistic against David could not find him, 400 whose hearts were being joined to David could find him. No problem. They went right to him. Sometimes you're in a cave because God has you there to protect you. You don't know who seeks your life. You don't know what someone you thought was a friend may be ready to betray or to reject or bring some evil upon you. Friend, God has separated me from more than one person in my life. Everybody all right? Amen. God was protecting him. In this time of his life, he had no security. He had no food, no money, no one to talk to, no promise to cling to, no hope that anything would ever change. He was alone in a dark cave and away from everybody except God. And there are three psalms that David wrote from the cave. Listen, Psalm 142. Listen to how desperate he is. This is the first uh, psalm he wrote from the cave. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed him my trouble. Verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, they have privily laid a snare for me. Doesn't that sound pitiful? I looked on my right hand, and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. Nobody cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord and said... Thou art my refuge and my portion of the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from the persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. Everybody say prison. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou hast dealt bountifully with me. This is David the cave dweller. Stage one. I don't know of a soul on earth who cares for me. I am brought very low. It's like I'm in prison. Deliver me, oh Lord. Can you feel his loneliness? Can you sense his desperation? Can you get a grasp of the dampness of that cave? Can you feel David's despair? His soul is locked up in a prison. There's no escape. There's nothing left. Nothing. Yet, in the midst of all of David's pain, thank God he did not lose sight of God. God had David exactly where he wanted him. 
David had been brought to a place where God could truly begin to shape him into the man that he wanted him to be. And I want to tell you today that when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. When God brings us to nothing, it's to take us into something. When he brings you to the end of the road, it's to reroute your life and carve a new path through the circumstances. Psalm 142 gives us the picture when David was at the mo lowest moment of his life. Now go to Psalm 57. Listen to this. He's getting to the next stage. Psalm 57, verse 1. To God who accomplishes all things for me, he will send from heaven and save me. My soul is among the lions. He's referring to the 400 malcontents who had joined him. They were distressed, in debt, and discontented. Other than that, they were nice guys. And I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Everybody that came to David, even though they could find him, they were ticked off. <sighs> like lions. Verse 5, be exalted above the heavens, O God. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Oh, look out. When David the psalmist gets ready to sing, something's going to happen. When David gets ready to praise the Lord, the atmosphere is going to change. Are you listening to me today? When David starts getting the attitude that I'm going to touch God with the way that I've always touched God. Listen, I'm talking to you about a man that had killed a lion and a bear and a giant. I'm talking about a man that knew what it was like to feel the oil of Samuel's vial pour over his head. This is a man that had a destiny, but he was in a cave. But thank God he knew how to get out of a cave. started singing he said my heart is fixed I'm not going to change my heart I'm not going to change my attitude toward you God I'm going to sing I'm going to rejoice uh, be exalted above the heavens oh God let thy glory be above the whole earth uh, amen David is still down but at least he struggled up from his belly up to his knees uh, he's not having a pity party anymore he's got up on his knees and he's lifting up his head and he's looking up and Psalm 34 is the third psalm that he wrote from the cave. What a difference, what a change. Here's what he said, Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Am I talking to somebody who's been face down in a cave and you don't know if anybody cares for your soul? Why don't you struggle and get up to your knees and begin to lift your head up toward God and realize that weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning and one of these days you're going to look back on it and you're going to say you know what it wasn't that bad because I learned and I grew and God helped me and it was worth the reward oh somebody praise the Lord right now some cave dweller praise the Lord oh hallelujah come on you're not out of that cave yet you need to lift up your head and look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Here's the message. Here's the message. David now is at the end of his life. He's at the end of his life. Listen to what he's endured. He had to bury a newborn son. Sister Sonia. A grown son betrayed him and done a revolt against him. And then was murdered. David's own sins had brought embarrassment to God. 
and plague and disease and famine to the people of God. He had to deal with all of that. In fact, the Bible said the sword never departed from his house. But in 2 Samuel 22, David looks back over his life and all that he had to go through to finally ascend to the throne and all of the torment from Saul and all of the betrayal and the treachery. And here's what he said in 2 Samuel 22, 29. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee have I run through a troop. By my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust him. For who is God save the Lord? Who is a rock save our God? God is my strength and power. And he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like the feet of a deer. And setteth me upon high places. Sister Sonia, I don't know if you can do it yet, but as painful as it was, and please forgive me, I'm not trying to cheapen anything you've been through, but someday when you're reunited with your son, you're going to be able to say, it wasn't that bad. God helped me. He strengthened me. He brought me through. Hallelujah. He helped me. He brought me through, you know, it wasn't that bad. David looked back on it and all. He said, he's making my feet like the feet of a deer. I can skip up a hill. I can run down a valley. I can go anywhere and do anything I want to do. You know, I've been through a few things in my life, and my wife's been through a few things in her life. Not the worst stuff that could ever happen. But when I was pastoring another church, I did have my church board call a meeting on me to terminate my tenure as their pastor. That's kind of tough. That, that, was, that was rough. God stepped in. It didn't happen. Because I called a prayer meeting. <laughs> they called a board meeting. I called a prayer meeting. Praise God. My sweet wife, she never talks about it. But she made 21 trips to the Mayo Clinic. Was diagnosed with, to this day, we don't know what, they call it vasculitis. Had a major surgery. She's in the hospital for seven days. There was kidney disease, disorder that was working toward kidney disease. And they put her on a breakthrough program. But I tell you what, God's got the best breakthrough program there ever was. And this church was praying for her. As when we first came here, she was still dealing with some of those issues. It was bad. It was rough. Marissa was just an infant. Wasn't that easy on me either. But God brought her through. And honey, I'm sure today you can look back and say, you know what? It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. We didn't know where it was going to head. We didn't know if it was going to be kidney transplant or, 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 or terminal illness or whatever. You know all of the, how your mind goes. But now we look back. It wasn't that bad because God brought us through. If I had time today, I would tell you about Job who in one day lost his children. He lost his donkeys, his camels, his shepherds. His, his, he lost his health. 
But, oh, friend, you got to read the rest of the story. you got to pull a Paul Harvey, and you got to read the rest of the story. Go to Job 42, and the Bible says at the end of Job's life, he was blessed twice as much, and he lived 140 years after his trial, and he had three daughters that were the fairest in the land. He had kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and he still blessed the Lord. And I think Job, who was one of the most tormented men that ever lived, could look back and say, you know what, it wasn't that bad. Look how God's blessed me. Look how he's brought me through. Look how he's helped me. I want you to stand with me. I want to tell somebody here today, it may seem very bad right now. It may be very difficult for you to navigate right now. But I want to tell you that if the Lord tarries and we remain on this earth before you get to heaven, I think you're going to look back and you're going to say, you know what? It really wasn't that bad. I know it's bad now. I know we've got questions now. I know there's issues that we've got to deal with. You know what? One thing that God's blessed me with is a good forgetter. I thought I'd get a better amen. You're all trying to be kind. I don't mean forgetting the stuff that you think I forget, and I do. But God's helped me to forget the bad stuff. Oh, sometimes I talk about it, but there's not a pain in my heart when I talk about it. I only talk about it to help somebody else. That's the only reason. He blessed me with a good forgetter. You know, Joseph was... Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.